Our text for today comes from 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. A few weeks ago, it was my 35th birthday. My 35th birthday. And I'm, thank you, I appreciate that. I'm not the type of person who usually struggles uh, with birthdays, but for some, re- for some reason, this year was a little different. Uh, I struggled with this one. It was difficult for me. I usually tell Ashley, regardless of whether I'm struggling with a birthday or not, to not make a big deal of my birthday, to not buy me anything, to not go out of her way and do, every, do anything for me. And she usually slightly complies to that request, but not entirely. But this year, was, this year was particularly difficult. I was moping around a little bit. I was being mopey, Nick. Uh, I was avoiding talking about my birthday. When someone would wish me a happy birthday, I would wince internally. But I, I honestly didn't allow myself the space to really de- kind of look into that feeling and determine why I was feeling that way, to evaluate my emotions and ask the question, of myself. Why am I feeling like this? I didn't allow myself that space. I didn't carve it out, right? So I continued in my mopey, non-introspective space for a couple of days until Ashley asked me this question. I think we were in the kitchen. She said, why are you struggling with your birthday this year? Is actually what she asked me. And it was the first time I had actually taken a second to actually think about it. And I gave her some answers to the question that weren't true, not because I was lying, but just because my mind was fumbling around trying to look for why it was that I was struggling with my birthday this year. But then I heard myself say something. I heard something come out of my mouth. Now, have you ever said something before that you uh, knew you were saying and the thing, and you knew the thing you were saying was 100% true, but it was completely unexpected. You didn't expect it to come out of your mouth. Like the back of your brain was spitting up some information that it hadn't allowed your frontal cortex access to, right? This was what happened to me in that moment. And I heard myself say, because I haven't accomplished enough. Because I haven't accomplished enough. And at that moment, all the lights in my brain kind of went, bing, they all turned on. And I understood why I had, what I had been feeling. I did not like the idea of turning 35 because from my own subjective point of view, I had not accomplished enough in my life. Internally, I held on to this notion that by the time I was 35, I should have done more, been more successful, had more accomplishments or accolades. And that caused me to face 35 with a bit of fear and anxiety. But on a deeper level, what it pointed out to me was that there was this area of my life where I was trying to gain my value and worth from what I accomplished rather than from the fact that God loved me. Really, in biblical language, what I was doing was building an idol of success up in my own heart and mind. And when it was brought to my attention by my emotions and by a penetrating question from my wife, I was actually somewhat able to address it. 
I was able to address it in that moment. Now, I'm by no means over all the ways that my ego or sense of self are attached to success, right? It doesn't, it's not something you deal with one afternoon in the kitchen. It takes a little bit more time than that. Uh, but now at least I have a bit more self-knowledge, right? I'm a little bit more aware of what I'm feeling and why I'm feeling it, right? And I'm empowered to offer this feeling up to God and to learn just a little bit more about how to uh, find my sufficiency in Christ rather than in my worldly accomplishments. This is a good thing. And hopefully this leads me to, uh, in a kind of incremental way, into a more emotionally and spiritually healthy place over time as I process it. At least that's the hope, right? That's the hope for all of us, I think. And I can tell you with all honesty, this kind of non-spiritual sounding little struggle that I had was the primary thing that God has used in the last month or so to form me spiritually, to help me become the person he created me to be. But it also shows me something that I think is really true about all of us. Take a lesson from my life this morning. God wants us to be whole people. He wants us to be whole people. Not people with holes in us, but whole, W-H-O-L-E, just FYI. Keep that in your mind. Uh, God is not looking for simple behavior modification or conformity to religious rules or standards. God wants us to be whole and holy people. This is what he longs for. Psychologists call this being an integrated self, where all the aspects or dimensions of who we are as people are integrated or are in harmony this is what it means to be a healthy person in, in psychological language. And for all of us, the, uh, the process of what Christians call spiritual formation, or simply being a disciple of Jesus, is all about this process of integrating our emotional and spiritual well-being, our, our emotional and spiritual health. The two are intricately linked, actually. Pete Scazzaro, a pastor who wrote a book that really inspired a lot of this sermon series that we're in right now, wrote a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. We have a number of copies of it out in the lobby, so if you want to purchase one, uh, you can out there. It's cheaper than on Amazon, so it'll be a good opportunity for you to buy that book, and I would encourage you to buy it. It's, it's short. It doesn't take very long to read, but it's a really good uh, addition to this sermon series. Uh, you'll kind of, it'll help you process some of where we're going. So I'd encourage you to head back and buy that uh, on the coffee bar after church. But Scazzaro talks about how it is not possible for us to be spiritually mature and emotionally immature. It's not possible. These two ideas are so closely wedded, uh, they are, they are uh, mutually dependent parts of the human person. He says that so much of what we commonly think of as the Christian life tends to be about the top 10% of the iceberg of our lives. So you all know the analogy, an iceberg, you, the, the part of an iceberg that you can see is 10% or 20% and the rest of it is below. This is why the Titanic sank, right? But God, what God really wants to do with us is not, tra not transform our public-facing lives, the 10% of us that people can see. That's not the most important piece. 
The most important piece of who we are is the 90% of us that lies below the surface of our lives, that is not our public-facing self, but is rather the deep core of our being. This is the part of us that God wants to change, our mental and emotional life, that thing that makes up who we are. This is what God wants to transform in us so that we can be and do everything God has created us to be and do. Because, you know, it is quite possible to be externally successful, to be doing all of the kind of spiritual things like reading our Bibles or praying and attending church, and at the same time not be addressing the 90% of our being that lies below the surface of our lives. This is very possible. But that is not what God wants for us. It's not who he's created us to be and do. So over the next eight or nine, I'm leaving one week of space there in case we want to cover it, we want to be intentional at looking below the surface of our lives, looking at ourselves seriously. This sermon series is actually going to take us all the way up to Good Friday, right before Easter, through the season of Lent, which is the time of year where Christians are historically Uh, historically have set aside time to do this delicate work of introspection, to uh, to look at our hearts and determine where we sit and how we function. But we want to be intentional over these next couple of weeks to allow the Holy Spirit to sink below the surface of our lives and help us to become more emotionally healthy, right? And just practically to help us gain some tools for how to follow Jesus in this journey of becoming whole and holy. Because becoming whole and holy is a lifelong process. It, doesn't, it turns out not to happen quickly, and it also doesn't happen by accident. Becoming a healthy person is not something that we just fall into. So it is my prayer that you all, as, uh, as, fellow, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, would commit with me to allow the Holy Spirit to move in our midst over the next eight-ish weeks and open yourself to what God might want to do in and through you. We're going to have some hands-on activities. This is going to be a very interactive series. So there'll be some stuff for you to do. Today, one of the examples of the thing uh, of something to do is available for you back at the coffee bar. It's, it looks like this. And it's called a, let me grab it, Uh, an inventory of spiritual and emotional maturity. Doesn't that sound fun? Ooh, nice. And it has questions like this. You're, uh, it's the, the point of this tool is not to uh, make any of us feel bad or get, help us be ner- or make us be nervous, but the point of a tool like this is to help us think deeply about ourselves. And it has interesting questions like this. Uh, it, it asks you to rank something from one to four. And so from one to four, a question like question 13 here, I often admit when I am wrong, readily asking forgiveness from others. Right? Uh, number 15 is another question. Others would easily describe me as approachable, gentle, open, and transparent, right? It's just a simple tool uh, pr- that is provided to us as a means of looking at ourselves. And so it's my encouragement to you. Grab one of those. They're on the coffee bar. You can just grab them free as you go and uh, take the assessment. Take the assessment. 
It's a, it's, a really, it's a really wonderful way to see kind of where I am and what areas of my life God might be uh, prompting me to work on over the next couple of weeks. The other uh, aspect of this series, I really feel strongly about this, is connected to our home groups. Now, over the course of this series, we're going to be discussing some of the things we cover in home groups. And there's this real, and there's this truth about uh, personal transformation, that it doesn't happen, that it can't happen by ourselves, and it doesn't happen once a week for 30 minutes on a Sunday in a room. It happens over time and through conversation and relationship. And so in our home groups over the next eight or nine weeks, we're really going to be processing what it looks like to become whole and holy people, to become people who are emotionally healthy. And so I would encourage you, if you want to journey along this process with us, sign up for a home group. There's sign-ups in the back, and we'll get you connected over the next week or two. Um, but I, I really do want to encourage you, because it's so vital that in this process of walking out what it means to be a healthy person, that we have other people to walk alongside. So that is, what, uh, that is basically what we want this series to look like, how we want it to function. But why should we do it? Why should we do it? Because we can say emotional health and becoming an integrated self is an important and good thing to do, right? But unless we capture a vision for what God actually wants to do in and through us, it becomes just another thing that I have to do, right? It just becomes a thing on the list of spiritual requirements for me. But if we capture a vision of who God wants to make us into, what he wants to do in and through us, then it becomes far easier to set out on a journey that can sometimes be difficult of stepping into emotional and spiritual health. And that's where our scripture, our text for today, comes into play. I think it's one of the most beautiful examples in all of the Bible of a biblical vision of what God wants to do in and through his people. Now, Paul prays this little prayer over a church in a, in a, in a small Greek port city of, of Thessalonica. It's right on the Aegean Sea. But uh, Paul prays this prayer over this, this church in Thessalonica, and he prays it in this way that is so pastoral. It's almost a blessing when you read it. And I just want to read it one more time for us before we hop in and kind of dissect it a little bit this morning. But here's what Paul says. He says, may God himself, which I think is an interesting thing, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Paul's prayer, to sum it up, is that people would become whole and holy, that the Thessalonians would become whole and holy people, right? This is his prayer. In the totality of their being, that they would become whole and holy people. And I love the language he uses here, that they would be sanctified through and through, and that may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless, now, it's beautiful language on the surface, but actually when you dig into what Paul is actually saying here, and I'm just a trigger warning for any of you who get really freaked out when I use a Greek word, we're going to do a little bit of that today, okay? So if you don't like foreign languages, you can leave. <laughs> but when you dig into it a little bit deeper, uh, 
Paul is saying some incredible stuff here, some incredible stuff. And so what I want to do for the rest of our time this morning is just walk through this little prayer that Paul prays over the Thessalonians as a means of seeing what God wants to do in us so that we all would hopefully catch a vision of the type of people God wants to form us into. Because without a vision, this process of change is not something that becomes very uh, easy or possible. Excuse me, I have a little bit of a scratchy throat this morning, so I'm going to be grabbing water from time to time. So, the first phrase I want to look at in depth this morning is, uh, is in verse 23, where Paul says, May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless. A New Testament scholar commentating on this passage, a woman named Janine Brown, says it this way, Paul refers to the whole person or self with the language of spirit, soul, and body. Paul uses this range of terms describing the human person to emphasize that it is the entire person, the person in wholeness, who will be kept blameless by God's power, in contrast to the divided self. Paul's eschatological prayer is for the preservation of the unified, integrated person in community. Now, that's a very scholarly way of saying that God, through Paul's prayer, is communicating to his people that he wants us to be unified, integrated, whole people in community. So Paul's prayer and God's hope is that this is the type of people we would be. You know, I think we're all familiar with the idea of being disunified. Disunified. Have you ever felt divided in yourself? Like there was a part of you that wanted something and another part of you that knew that the thing you wanted isn't the thing you should have? Have you felt that disunity in your own soul? Like your mind and your will and your emotions are all kind of pulling in opposite directions in your life, right? There is this fundamental disunity or lack of integrity that is found in all of us, I think. There's a part of me that wants to eat healthy breakfast, and there's a part of me that just wants to eat bacon all day, right? There's a part of me that wants five cups of coffee, not two, right? And when I have the five cups of coffee, I regret it because I get sweaty and nervous, right? There are there are parts of our there are parts of our lives that that stand in disunity so many of us live with self-destructive patterns in our lives patterns where we move we step into health for a period of time but that we know right over the kind of horizon after a couple of months there's going to be a kind of fall off the cliff right whether those patterns are depression and anxiety or whether those patterns are involved in substance abuse, we know them. We know the ways in which our, our own mind and heart kind of war against our best interests. I grew up with a friend, uh, a close friend. He was a year older than me. Uh, I was on swim team with him. And uh, we always knew that he was about six or eight months from a total um, explosion of his life. He would, he would kind of like walk the straight and narrow for six or eight months, and then every six or eight months, he would like fall off a cliff and get arrested or something, or take too much Adderall and give himself a heart attack. Uh, crazy stuff. But uh, then, thank God, he's a pastor, <laughs> but uh, he figured it out. Uh, but the... But he, we just kind of knew that, that he had this pattern in his life that was going to continue to go. 
unless he did some, some of the hard work of figuring out how to stop this, this destructive pattern. And the truth of the matter is, is that this is not what God wants for us, is it? God does not want us to live in these patterns of dysfunction. He doesn't want us to live in these patterns of anxiety and depression. He does not, he does not long for us to be people who are fractured and pulled apart, who's, who's, uh, who the different aspects of our being kind of war against one another. Rather, God wants us to be in unity. He wants us to be integrated in whole selves. You know, the language Paul uses here of... Uh, of a person who is whole in soul, body, and spirit calls back to, in the Old Testament, the prayer that's often the, the, the primary prayer in all of the Old Testament, a prayer that, uh, that the Hebrews prayed all the time called the Shema. It says the, and that prayer talks about loving the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with the totality of your being, being directed in and towards God. Paul is saying that this is the type of person we are called and created to be, a person who, goes, who's, who the fullness of ourselves is pointed in the same direction, not pulling against ourselves, not, not bucking against the person that God has created us to be in all the fullness and beauty that he has created us with. Rather, he's called us to a kind of unity and wholeness. Now, this is a difficult thing, right? Because none of us feel completely unified or whole. We live in a world where everyone we've ever met is fractured and broken. Every single person, even the people who are really good at eating well and working out every day, right? All of, the, all of us are broken in some significant way. And so the thought that we were created to be this unified uh, wholehearted type of people is difficult for us to get our minds around because our experience is so broken. But this is the vision that God holds out for us, that Paul prays over the Thessalonians, that they would be whole, complete, that their body, soul, and spirit, if you will, their mind, their will, or volition, and emotions would all be in unity, not warring against themselves. This is what God wants and longs for us. This idea is, is, even, is amplified even more in another phrase that Paul says at the beginning of verse 23, where he says uh, that he prays that the, that the Thessalonians would be sanctified through and through, through and through. Now, this is where we get a little Greek lesson for the morning. Uh, so this word, through and through, is actually one word in Greek. It's three words in English. It's one word in Greek. If you have other translations like an ESV or an NASB, uh, they might, this, your translation might say completely or entirely. That communicates the fact that it's just one word that's used here in the Greek. But the word in the Greek is holotelis. And it's a, it's a compound word. Uh, hala meaning whole or complete or and then telus, it's telus or end. So, um, and William Mounts, who's a, a New Testament scholar, defines it this way. He says, uh, this word conveys the sense of something reaching its end, therefore its completion. A sense of undivided, undivided wholeness of heart before God. The, the picture that, uh, that Paul says here is that God's desire is for us to be whole through and through. And that God is fully committed 
fully committed to our wholeness. God is fully committed to seeing you and I become all that he has created us to be. All that he's created us to be. And Paul's prayer here shows us uh, that this is not only something God wants for us, like the same way I want a Tesla. I say that a lot. That's a desire for me, isn't it? But in a way that says that God is committed to seeing this come to fruition. God is committed to see our wholeness or our, uh, our sanctification that is through and through come to fruition. God has promised that for anyone who is in Christ, he will be both uh, the initiator and sustainer of this process of uh, us becoming emotionally and spiritually healthy. This is, and God wants to partner with us in this process. The king of the universe is fully invested in you becoming your healthiest self. The king of the universe is fully invested in you and I becoming our healthiest selves. And what this means is that there is no brokenness, no emotional or spiritual dysfunction, no addiction or difficulty for which God does not have the ability to heal us. Now, does it require work? Yes, it requires work. Does it require help from other people? Yes, it requires help from other people. But the, the picture that we have in this prayer is, is God's... <clears throat> excuse me, God's picture of a, of a future in which his people are completely uh, unified, whole and holy. And he wants to partner with us in the present to see that come to pass in the here and now. This is not the type of thing we're all just kind of waiting around to die so that then something magical happens and I'm done with all of the problems that I have. This is not the story that we read about in the Bibles, in the Bible, not the Bibles, the Bible. What does Jesus say? He says, I came that they might have life and they might have it to the full. We are so mired in our brokenness that we sometimes don't even open our eyes to the reality that God is present with us to walk with us through the difficult process of seeing our hearts healed, of becoming whole. This is what Christians have historically called discipleship or following Jesus or becoming like Christ. There's all kinds of language that the Bible uses to talk about it, but it's what God wants for you and for me. Now, this is not a denial of the world that we occupy. This is not a denial of the difficult things that have happened to you or to me that make our lives difficult. This is not to simply sweep under the rug the fact that some of us had parents who were, who were addicts. That some of us have been emotionally and physically abused. That some of us have had difficult situations that will require, uh, sometimes uh, it will, will feel like a Herculean effort to process through. This is not to deny any of those realities. And this is not to say that the goal for all of us is to just be like perfectly angelic human beings in the next year and a half or something. I don't believe that it's actually possible for us to get all, process all the way through all of our brokenness in this life. But that does not mean 
that we are not invited in the here and now to walk with God through that process. God does not long for you to stay sat down where you are carrying the things you're carrying. He wants to release you from that burden so that you can become in the here and now the person that has created you to be. It is a freedom and it is a gift that God extends to us. And it is a vision that we have to keep in our minds if we're going to see God renew and restore us. That if we're going to participate in the renewal and the restoration that is breaking out all around us via the Spirit in the, in the kingdom of God, if we're going to allow the deep parts of us to be a part of that renewal and restoration, it's up to us. It's up to us to participate with all that God wants to do, but it requires that we capture a vision for what God wants to do in and through us. Because if you can see yourself the way God sees you as a whole and holy person, somebody he's created for, for, a, for a purpose, then it makes things so much easier. You know, we named uh, our, our daughter, who's not here. She's skipping church today. I can't believe it, really. Uh, our daughter's name is Nora. And uh, when, we were, when Ashley was pregnant with uh, our son, Elliot, I had a dream. And the dream, and in the dream, I thought Elliot was a girl. So just car car carry that information with you. But in the dream, I saw this uh, grown woman. And she was... Uh, she was uh, completely self-possessed. She was strong and capable and funny and nice and um, just a beautiful example of a, of a healthy person. And in the dream, the, person, the girl's name was Nora, and I knew her to be my child in that dream. And I woke up and I said, if this, if this baby's a girl, we're naming her Nora, right? I told Ashley that. And we were set with that, and then Elliot came, and we had to find another name. Uh, but then we had a girl, and we named her Nora. You see, that vision that I had of, a, of, a, of, a, of an adult person who is, uh, who is integrated, who is healthy, who is whole, is what God sees when he looks at you. It's, what, it's, it's the vision of the person that God has for you to become. He created you to be that person. And he invites you into a process of becoming that person. And like I said, it can be quite difficult. It can be quite hard at times. But it is the substance of what it means to follow Jesus. To be transformed into the image of Jesus. To allow ourselves to be formed into something that we were always created to be. And in order to do it, we have to address our emotional health. We have to uh, move past all the externals and our kind of public-facing uh, Christian platitudes about what a good person is or isn't. And we have to allow the Holy Spirit, the room, to sink down deep into, into our lives and to heal those broken places. And so this is what I want us to do over the next eight weeks. 
is to kind of journey in that process together. Obviously, it's a lifelong process, right? This isn't something that happens or is completed in eight weeks, but it is something that we can look at and focus on for a period of time in order to get the ball rolling in our lives in a more intentional way. And I believe that as we do that work, God will honor it. God will honor it. God will, God will uh, do his part to help us become whole and holy people. God has a beautiful picture of you in his mind, that he wants you to become, that you were created to be. And he is dedicated with, to walking with you through that process. He is. As you walk towards wholeness, towards unity, towards emotional and spiritual and physical health, God's committed to that. And so today... This was really just an introductory message. It was really just the first message in a series uh, as, as, we, as we start this series of eight weeks of uh, digging into this idea. But as we close today, and I know I'm aware that we're getting out early. I'm sure you're all going to be real mad at me. As we close today, I just want to pray over you in the same way that Paul prayed over the Thessalonians, this prayer, as a, as a benediction of sorts. And my hope is that you would pray it also, that you'd receive it as something that God wants for you. And that as we kind of kick off into the spring, I hope the spring, Puxatani Phil didn't see a shadow, so it's going to be great. Uh, uh, that as we kick off into the spring, that... Uh, you would allow the Holy Spirit to do this deep work in your heart of digging at some of the areas that he wants to change so that you could become a whole and holy person. So as we go, if you just bow your heads, I'd love to pray this prayer over you. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen and amen. Go today in the grace and in the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ.